Hey guys, what's up? It's Lizzie Jane, and we are back with another episode of the Lizzie Jane podcast. I'm so stoked to be releasing these again. We have such an amazing roster of artists and influencers and broadcasters and producers and agents and talent buyers coming up. There's just so much information that I get to share with you guys before the end of 2022. And to start it off, we have an extraordinary, amazing woman joining me that goes by the name of Erin Ashley Simon. She she is a multimedia personality, host, producer, and consultant within the esports, gaming, and world of entertainment. She has recently announced her new position as chief cultural office and co-owner of Xset, which is one of the fastest growing gaming and lifestyle organizations out there on the market currently. She is the leading face of Puma's esports line, has worked with brands such as ENT and more. She is just absolutely killing it, and what an inspiration to have the opportunity to sit down and talk with someone like Erin Ashley Simon about her journey in the space and what the future holds for her. As her career moves forward, she looks to continue to bridge the gap and help the intersection between gaming, entertainment, music, so on and so forth. And I have no doubt that she will do exactly that. Don't forget that these episodes are available only ad-free on my Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane. Click the link in my description for the episode and go and check it out. Leave some comments, questions, who you want to see in the gaming esports space moving forward. And I can't wait for you guys to check this episode out. Without further ado, this is Lizzie Jane. I'm freaking happy to be back and you're tuning into my episode with Aaron Ashley Simon. The show today was brought to you by Vitaplur E-Boost Gum. With no pill to take or powders to mix, Vitaplur E-Boost Gum is a first-of-its-kind energy rave supplement that provides magnesium, electrolytes, and antioxidants while you chew. Vitaplur is the perfect complement to my active lifestyle, whether it's at the festival, on the road touring, or hitting the gym. Chew Vitaplur and dance with confidence. Use code LizzieJane for 10% off any order. All right, here we go. Well, we have... Aaron Ashley Simon on the Lizzie Jane podcast today. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Um, as we were just speaking, you know, I'm very excited to jump into this conversation because you are someone who has just carved their own path in not only the lane of esports, you have kind of worn multiple hats, which I think as an entertainer in the entertainment industry or any space in Web3, video games, movies, television, music, you have to wear those multitude of hats to continue building the industry that you're working in. And you are a multimedia extraordinaire, a broadcaster, producer, co-owner of your company, Xset, and so much more in between. And I just want to thank you for joining me today. And, you know, these conversations are a necessity building the the gap between music and video games and all of these people who sit a little bit in between those two circles. Yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about it before we hit the record button, but the industries are all intertwining together bit by bit, uh, whether it is people going over into the gaming space, people going to Web3 space, um, you know, whether it's discussing just overall conversations about licensing and syncing when it comes to music. So the the world of entertainments are, are no longer siloed. They're all just becoming one thing. They really are. And I think it's amazing, too, because on our end, you know, as a producer, we're now working with labels such as Monster Cat or, you know, certain things like Capitol Records, Sony Records that are working very closely with getting our music in Fortnite, getting our music in Valorant and every game, you know, Rocket League that has like an exclusive contract with Monster Cat. And it's really awesome to see that you have just stepped in this like liaison space, working with professional athletes, working with huge record labels and bringing those two groups together because it's just really awesome to see somebody's career grow and not have a boundary. And I think that's what the entertainment arts are really all about. Yeah. I mean, I'm also very lucky because I've been able to, to have uh, all, all be able to like touch all aspects of entertainment in some shape or form throughout my career. 
whether it's when I worked in traditional sports, um, more on the media side, whether it was me working in music industry and music media. And basically that I've been working entertainment and media since I was 17 years old. So that's 13 years of experience. And so I really worked to take those kind of uh, experiential moments uh, throughout my career and just apply into what I'm seeing in the gaming space. And I mean, that's been the great thing about now that I am in, uh, I'm an executive over at Xset and have uh, my official title with chief culture officer. And now I really try to take essentially everything that I've learned from all these different industries and then apply it into what we're seeing in the grand esports and gaming space. So being able to convey those messagings to those in-game esports and then being able to take the conversations and the needs and just certain aspects of gaming esports and then be able to translate it over to non-endemic spaces. Absolutely. And it's it's just so exciting because, I mean, a personal goal of mine was I've kind of existed in the music space since COVID. And I know you started a lot of like your endeavors that you're currently really involved in throughout that COVID pandemic period. And my whole goal this year was to really start to bridge out into the world of gaming, into the world of broadcasting, into the world of Web3, because you're exactly correct when they are all massively intertwining. And and you, I know you're on CAA, right? And then I just signed to Wasserman. And it's it's very interesting where, you know, you see all of these agencies with all of these different divisions and all of this collaboration happening behind the scenes that starts to come to the forefront. And, you know, it's people like you who will continue to push that on in the next generation. But before we kind of dive into what you're doing now for our listeners. Um, I would love to, for you to just give a few sentences on what you're doing now in your career, some things you're excited for, and some things that are coming in the future. Oh man, what am I doing right now? I think what I'm doing right now is, I mean, I'm still, I'm doing broadcasting work in the gaming entertainment space. And then I'm focusing on on building up and supporting the companies that I'm either a part of the ownership group for, on the board for, or an executive. So Xset, um, I'm also part of the board for a platform company called Padia that focuses on developing safer spaces for women in gaming and also non-binary individuals and just overall, you know, various different people with more of a focus in on women. And so that's what I'm currently doing right now. Um, you know, in the future, what I would like to do is to further build out my scholarship, my Aaron Asher Simon Esports Internship Fund at the University of Kentucky. I want to build that out more and literally take that similar concept and model and then bring it to other universities because I feel like what we're doing over at UK and how we're setting up setting up the scholarship and how we're creating a lot more of a learning and an uh, experiential component to it. So then like people can actually like not only get an education, but also actually gain experience in esports by the time that they get out of college. And so I'm looking to kind of further that more. And, uh, you know, even coming up, there's just, there's a lot of things that I'm doing in the DE and I space and really focusing on, on that. You know, I think that for me, um, of course I want to still develop, my career from a broadcast and talent perspective and, and build that along with my, my manager and my, my team over at CAA. But I really, I've been really focused in, and even since 2020, I've been really focused in on like taking the experiences that I have, taking my career, taking my um, kind of reach and just influence and, and really utilizing that to open up doors and create opportunities for others. Cause some of the most, influential, impactful, and profound business individuals, especially in media, are ones who create, whether it's content platforms or companies um, that allow for others to kind of grow themselves and to be successful themselves. And uh, even ones that are super culturally influential. So um, I have a few individuals that are that are kind of like a unique blueprint for me um, in terms of like where I want to go. And and how do I want, how I want to grow as an individual, how I want to grow as an executive, uh, an investor, and and more. And more than likely, I'm probably going to invest in more companies in the future. But um, like with anything, I like to take my time and assess and see what makes sense for me and what doesn't. Absolutely. I mean, anything anything worth keeping takes time to build and establish and and learn and improve on. And I mean, just going back to kind of 
what you were talking about with the Aaron Ashley Simon Fund at the University of Kentucky. I mean, you hit it on the head right there. I graduated from Full Sail University. I'm sure you're somewhat familiar. A lot of those people kind of, they have an amazing gaming division. I went for audio engineering and Foley Sound. I did a few internships with Pixar and Soundscape before I caught kind of into the world of producing. And, you know, with our parents, I feel like it was kind of, we were in a time where if you received a degree, bachelor's, master's, PhD, or, you know, so on and so forth, that kind of guaranteed you like a job or like guaranteed you like this time in your life where, okay, you're going to get the return back that you spent on school, spent on student loans back in the job that you're going to receive. And I just don't think that that's the time we live in anymore. They want experience. They want people who have had their feet on the ground. And a big thing that Full Sail had was their internships, was their connections with those companies. And a big thing that I did not see with traditional big school universities were spaces for people in the arts, in entertainment, in gaming, in tech to really dip their toes in the water before they were out of school. So, I mean, that's just cool in itself to see that you're really putting that on the ground to develop people in school to be ready when they're out. And going back to your schooling, I know that you played soccer in school for a while. And then I even heard that you didn't even get your degree in broadcasting. So so tell tell me about your college experience and how you propelled yourself into gaming once you kind of got to UK. Yeah, I think the the great thing is, you know, even prior to my collegiate experience, I was already developing uh, myself within the media space. So when I got to University of Kentucky, obviously soccer and academics came first, but uh, UK really gave me a platform to gain experience, especially with the, since our basketball program is one of the best in the country. We already have a lot of attention in the sports space. So I was able to work a lot with the basketball team in terms of media and, and additional sports as well. And so, um, you know, my experience there has really helped to shape essentially the foundations of the work that I've done in media. And going back to what you're saying, uh, part of the reason that I went to University of Kentucky is because it's network. Uh, it's also one of the best journalism programs in the in the in the country. And so, I was looking at various different things. Like obviously, I wanted to play soccer competitively, but also for me, uh, the journalism degree as well as the networking connections were super important. You know, that's one of the things that I got out from going to college. Is like, you know, granted there are some degrees that I personally just don't feel like you necessarily have to go to college for. You can learn, uh, but the benefits of going to college, of course, is the depending on the universities, is the network that you can get from. Um, the university as well as the alum that go after it. And so, uh, and then I realized the University of Kentucky alums go very vast and are very fast, vast and far, sorry. It's been a long day and wasn't able to get coffee. Um, and uh, and so, you know, I got my journalism major degree there, um, but I also minored in business management, which um, a lot of people don't really know about. Um, my, a lot of my experience, granted journalism is great, it teaches you how to storytell. It teaches you how to um, develop storylines that grab people's attention, knowing how to look up specific information, whether it's for, I had to cover everything from sports. I had to cover a murder. I had to cover, you know, hard topics like suicide rates in Kentucky. So I've learned how to be able to communicate regardless of what the topic is and how to best tell specific stories or get information in a manner that's not intrusive and and gains trust from others. So a lot of that was what I was able to bring into my broadcasting career. And so yes. um, I was trained. Uh, her name is Barbara. She trained me when I worked over at a company called Cheddar. And that's where I really like honed in and really developed my on-camera skills. But the great thing is even before that, I was podcasting. So I was already engaging in front of the camera and there was a level of comfortability I already had. And then I built it on from there. And so um, you know, the experience and the knowledge and information I gained from the journalism department is something that I still take with me to this day. And then also, you know, the business management minor is, I would say, is probably the biggest thing that has helped me in my career. Mm -hmm. uh, I know a lot of people know me for on camera and a lot of the work that I do in media, but it's actually the business knowledge and information I gained from that minor. And then, you know, even from a certification I did later on and continue to do is what really helped, helped to 
prepare me and propel my career. And so, you know, that's why for my scholarship, I require the students to get either a major or or a minor in business. Um, I'm a big advocate for the arts, but, you know, the biggest issues we see in arts is the business side and contracts Mm -hmm. and on finances and stuff. So I want the student to have an understanding of the business side so that regardless if they want to be more of a left brain or right brain, they still be well equipped to continue their passion and go wherever they would like to go. Absolutely. I mean, you you really just explained why I have this podcast, because there's this whole side of the entertainment industry that if you're not knowledgeable on it and you're not trained in it and you don't have someone in your inner circle or on your team who has the experience and the expertise in said area, you can end up in really unfortunate situations. And and having that business minor is is so important. And I mean, even going back now, knowing that you had major in journalism, minor in business, I mean, that's kind of a, a, a duo for success in what you're doing today, because you put that together with the on-camera acting. And I acted when I was a child. And that's a whole nother thing that you have to get used to. I mean, I love being in the comfort of my own home and doing these remotely, but it's a whole nother animal when you're not looking at yourself. You have to understand your mannerisms, what your hands are doing, what your eyes are doing. It's it's just a whole nother beast to tackle. And, you know, you've said you've been really on this endeavor wearing multiple hats for the last, you know, 10, 12, 13 years. And even though you're still so young, it's kind of crazy to reflect on journeys and understand how you've kind of chipped away at these little things. And then you reflect and you go, okay, this consistency, this dedication, it's all built up to something that I'm seeing in real life in real time now. And you're able to give back and impact and help other students and other, you know, young adult professionals who want to be in this space at universities. And I'm sure a multitude in the future. Um, I personally am very curious what the process is when starting a fund. Well, it it depends on a few things, right? Like when you want to set up a, a fund, there's different ways about um, how that fund will be allocated. So essentially, when I was talking to the University of Kentucky, I was like, hey, I'd like to create a scholarship fund. They said, okay, for what? And yeah. so I had to explain and, and give the basics. And I already had, his name is Heath Price. Um, he helps to lead the esports program at the University of Kentucky. Um, I spoke to him already in advance. We started creating a, a plan because essentially, you know, there's different levels of commitment when it comes to scholarships. Um, also, different amounts, right? Different amounts of scholarship dictate how how much, you know, how much a scholarship can help uh, the student themselves. How long? Is it for a year? Is it for just a quarter, um, you know, and then also as the, as the person who created the fund, I have to also donate myself. And what does that commitment look like? And what's the base number? Um, and so it was a lot of me working with our, the, the department that facilitates scholarships and really discussing like, you know, what can I do? Um, what will I be able to do? And just, I really sat down and talked to them and said, Hey, I want to create a scholarship that is impactful can help many students, but like is impactful for, per individual students. So mm-hmm. I didn't want a scholarship where it was like, okay, there's uh, five students who get the scholarship. I really wanted to be, okay, every now and then one recipient, and then we're able to focus in on that one recipient, at least until they get to their senior year. Then we focus on the next one. So it's, it really is like a, you know, and it depends on your relationship with the university too. Um, sometimes the, you know, I've had people come up and say, Hey, uh, we love to put a scholarship in your name, or, um, there'll be like my situation where I go to university and I'm like, Hey, I would like to create a scholarship. Uh, the good thing is I was already working with my alma mater when it came to the esports program and I've done some stuff with them already. So I was already having these conversations and then, um, you know, they were very well aware of what I've been doing in this space and how I wanted to change the space. And so, um, when I went, you know, it, it was a long process. It, it literally took, I would say, about a year uh, until I was able to to really put it out. And then, you know, now 
there's a whole process, right? There are uh, criteria that I ask to be part of the scholarship. And so, you know, one of it's, it has to be for a student uh, with a financial need. Um, They have to have at least a 3.0 GPA. So there's certain criteria that these uh, recipients or or, um, uh, those who, I guess, or apply for the for the scholarship, for them to receive the scholarship, they have to hit these specific criteria. Um, but then there's also, you know, uh, the process of the University of Kentucky is going to narrow it down, and then I'm going to sit in on that process to select who is going to be the first recipient. And so how that's done is they are going to be submitting um, videos and also uh, written responses to a few questions that I worked with the university on. And then we're going to go over just all their information, uh, whether it's a video or written form, for me to really get to know the student. Uh, and then from there, I will work with them to say, okay, this person is going to be the person who gets it, and then we'll announce it. And then that's the kind of the beginning process. So it, in the whole year span, you it's essentially you have to figure out how much money are you willing to commit, um, criteria, what is the overall plan? Like I had to work with the the esports program to plan out the student's four-year journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what happens if I bring more money in? What happens if I bring more donors or more donors contribute to it? What does that look like now? So it was a lot of conversations, a lot of like, this is the route you could go. This is another route. This is what happens if you do this. And really mapping out the path of like, how do we build this up to be one of the most reputable scholarship opportunities? Um, because ultimately, like, you know, I want more students, especially those who are financial needs students, to have access to a lot of these different um, opportunities within esports and gaming space. Uh, But then also, this is a great opportunity for the University of Kentucky to promote this scholarship so that they can get students from areas that they probably weren't able to market or target as much. So I really had to focus on, okay, how do we develop this scholarship where it's valuable for everyone? Because I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to admit like a scholarship is part of marketing for schools, but Mm -hmm. it's a great marketing because whoever receives it gets financial support and then they don't have to worry too much about student debt, you know, like, so that, you know, it's, 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 you really have to figure out the needs of the university and then further develop it from there. Um, and, and with me being a former student, I'm very well aware of some of the needs because I was a student and I was Mm -hmm. like, why don't we have this? Um, and so that, you know, and, and the thing I love about the university of Kentucky, that's, that's different from probably some other universities is, um, the athletics program puts funding back into the school. So like, you know, the money, some, a portion of the money that all the sports teams make, it goes back towards improving dorms, improving facilities to try and make the university of Kentucky one of the, the, the best when it comes to resources, tech and, and more. So it's great that they were already investing back into their students. And so, you know, me coming up to them and be like, Hey, this is how I want the scholarship to be was, was just an easy conversation, but it, it's, it's a lot of work if you want it to be a, in a, a substantial scholarship. Absolutely. Thank you for explaining that. I mean, overall, it really does seem like it's a win-win situation with a lot of varying factors that can, you know, go all across the board. And it really sounds like after I'm sure time and tribulation, you guys have honed in a great scholarship that'll definitely, you know, again, go to demographics, go to areas of the United States that it may not go to before. And that's always good for a growing school, for a growing college. And that's also amazing too, to hear that, you know, such a big school is taking profit from those other areas and reinvesting it into the academic program, reinvesting it into the dorms and the utility needs that are needed to improve on. And when you were in school, like I really want to bridge the gap between your collegiate experience, you you doing the journalism, you doing the broadcasting, working with the sports teams, and then realizing hey, like esports is it. This is where I'm meant to be. A change needs to happen. How am I going to get there? Well, it's funny because how I got into esports, I just honestly, it 
I stumbled into it. Um, I mean, I was a fan. I, I, I watched a lot of like the fighting game community tournaments and stuff mm-hmm. like that growing up because fighting games, you know, I grew up within a, in the New York City, New Jersey area and, you know, arcade cabinets with Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, that was always around. And there were specific arcades, and especially like Dave and Busters and stuff like that, that I, you know, was able to tune in into the competitive scene for that. But I got into the industry just off of me working at uh, a company called Cheddar and and co-hosting an esports and gaming program there. And, you know, that program allowed me to really meet people all over esports, learn so much about the the inner workings, the business side, the competitive scene, all these different facets and areas of esports. And then over time, I realized I was just kind of like, wow, like, this is a great industry, but at the same time, my gosh, there's so many holes and problems that need to be fixed. And that's how I feel. That's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and like you really don't truly see these holes until you're in it. And so when mm-hmm. I got in it and and you know, because of my because of my hosting jobs, I've been, I've been able to really build relationships with CEOs of many of a, a lot of the big orgs, uh, whether in, in they're in NA or out of it, or um, you know, developing relationships with people who work for video game publishers or, um, you know, who work in the DNI space. So I, I've been able to really learn so much. And so I spent the first two years just like really learning about the industry. And then that's when I started to pinpoint. And my experience within my journalism degree and just my overall sports background is that with journalism, I I've learned how to ask the right questions and one of the most important um, skill sets and, and aspects of journalism that they teach you is to be an active listener. Um, you have to spend more time listening than talking, uh, especially when it comes to even broadcasting. Even though now we're in the day and age where like in, in media broadcast, people just want to talk their heads off and just yep. talk, talk, talk. <laughs> um, but in actuality, you know, you should be listening. Um, you know, one of the biggest tricks that we learn as journalists is like when we're interviewing someone, we're talking to someone, if you just be quiet for extra few minutes, so they're going to keep talking because people hate silence. So they fill it. So it's like these little tricks and things that I've learned and how to really like, like I was going researching, um, finding information out, asking people the right questions when I'm interviewing them. And that taught me how to really research. Uh, even when in the interviews that I do, I'm learning and researching and understanding. And so, um, you know, that, that knowledge and information is what, keeps pushing me. And I'm naturally a, a curious person. Um, not to the point where, you know, it kills the cat, but like, I'm very curious. And then in terms of like my sports background and, and, and playing soccer in a very high and competitive level since I was in middle school, um, you know, I was playing, I mean, that, that, that sports background really contributed to me playing a lot of video games. Cause I wasn't able to travel a lot, but then also, you know, I learned dedication, hard work, um, you know, structure, uh, uh, being disciplined. Like these are all things that I've learned at a very, very young age. And also like, you know, understanding risks, right. Risks and rewards. Like, Oh yeah. Um, you know, there's so, there's, there's, there's been moments even where it's like, Hey, if you don't perform or if you get hurt or all these things, like you could lose your athletic scholarship and like, you know, I mean, of course, there were unhealthy things that I've seen playing sports, and that's part of the reason why I quit before my senior year. Um, but uh, you know, there are a lot of fundamental things that I learned, and also like with playing soccer, it's a team sport. I had to learn how to play with people that I didn't even like. Mm-hmm. There was, I'm not gonna lie, there were some teammates I did not like, but I still had to get along with them. At least, you know, we had to respect one another to get to the point of hey, we have a goal and we have to achieve this goal. Whether we like each other or not, we have to figure it out. So it really taught me a lot of like life lessons and business lessons. Like, you know, there are times where I have to work with people that I, I'm not a fan of. And, mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I'll be honest. It it happens. It's smile I mean, and wave, smile and wave. Exactly. Yep. Not one person <laughs> can sit here who's listening or watching and can say that they liked every single person that they worked with. That's just sure. not it, right? Ever, ever. But then it also teaches you like, how to pick up, you know, people who you do work well with it, how, how to, how to champion other people, how to, you know, sometimes 
it's not your job to be the lead, the leader in that position. Sometimes you have to take the back seat and allow and allow someone to lead because you see that they're performing better or they're leading. Like there's so many things you can learn from sports. And so I think that, you know, all that together has has really sharpened my tools when it comes to me working in esports and gaming and even like, you know, the business side of, of me being a talent. So um, and there's I mean, there's much more things, but that's why I'm like, you know. I, I champion people playing sports and and learning from it because there's just so much that you can learn from that. And if, if you didn't play sports, it's okay. But you know, yeah. I mean, there's there's so much. I I think you can learn just from being dedicated to honing a certain craft at such a young age and doing it as consistently as being on the league team, going through middle school, going through high school, going into collegiate, going into D one, and it's such a journey. And you think of it because you're like a kid and you're like, oh, this is my kid life and I'm having fun. But you don't realize that you are being taught these characteristics and and growing yourself to to ways that, you know, the most influential parts of your life are when you are a child and when you are obtaining information from media or coaches or team members. And even in the world of entertainment, you know, so many people who aren't necessarily clued into the back end, they they think it's just like you. They think it's just Aaron Ashley Simon doing everything, sending all the emails, doing all the day-to-days. And it's this large team to bring a bigger vision to life that's supporting your values, your morals, and what you're trying to achieve in your career. And, and it's just, it, it's always about that knowing when to step forward, knowing when to take a step back. And it's really, really awesome how you you have developed that into what you're using on your day-to-day basis. And and when you were in, you know, soccer as a child, I'm sure practicing multiple times a week, traveling on the weekends. I was a dancer my whole life. I know exactly how it goes. Um, You know, what was gaming your escape? Was gaming that moment that you could get away from it all? Or did it kind of co-align with you being a competitive person deep down and you wanting to, you know, exercise your brain maybe a bit more than when you were on the field? Um, it was kind of a combination of both. I think, you know, my, my interest and passion in gaming happened well before I I started playing sports. So like it was around the time, I think I was probably like three, three or four. Um, yeah, yeah, my brother, I'm an older (laughs) brother. I think he was like six or seven at the time. And, um, you know, one of the first games I played and remember even watching was Sonic the Hedgehog on the Sega Genesis, watching him play. And my parents were always like avid gamers like we even had arcade cabinets in our house so you know me playing video games has been something that was always there but um it did serve as kind of like a a a safe zone for myself because you know when I was a kid uh there were things that I struggled in you know I, I I was young um at one point you know my mom was a single mother and she does a lot of health issues. So there's a lot of things that I dealt with on top of the fact that I wasn't able to go on vacations and do certain things because I had to focus it on soccer because, you know, I did have this immense pressure um, to get a scholarship because, you know, my mom was on disability leave and she was sick. So my brother and I really, really focused in on like either an academic scholarship or, or an athletic scholarship so that my mom didn't have to pay and worry about it. And so you know, because I wasn't able to go out and do certain things. And, um, I, and also I didn't really feel like I connected with some people in school and uh, granted, I, like I, there were some people I really connected with, but I feel like my experience with my sick mom, it, it, it made me grow up a little bit faster. So I didn't really connect as much with kids who were my age. And I actually connected more with people who were older. So, um, because that, because of that, it was, it was kind of hard for me to find my specific friend group um, within high school, middle school, it all changed when I went to college, but like, um, so video games were kind of like my outlet where I, like I made friends, uh, through playing specifically, uh, uh, Halo on Xbox live and that, you know, and then it became routine where I started playing with them often and we would compete and stuff like that. And so it really helped me, uh, it started as an escape. I was still able to be competitive. And I mean, that's still why I play video games now because I find I have an outlet for my competitive side. It doesn't go away. Like it's never gone away. But, um, and then also like I was able to, during a very difficult time um, in my childhood, I was able to like 
find people who just liked me for me and, 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 you know, didn't know about some of the trials and tribulations I was going through or my family was going through and just like wanted to game. And so it was nice in that sense, you know, because I, I don't really talk about it as much, but, you know, because I was a top athlete, because I was good academics and, and, and this is something I've come to terms with now and I'm completely okay with it. But like growing up, it was hard when everyone had this perception that you, you know, oh, you're successful. Oh, everything's okay. You know, uh, you know, this expectation of like, oh, you're, 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 you're kind of putting on for our, for our school. You're, you, you know, you are this top, mm -hmm. et cetera. Right. And there's a lot of pressure, pressure that goes into that. And, and with that pressure, right. You, you deal with whether it's, um, you not, you know, as you're being successful, you're trying to understand your identity and learn certain things about your life. Like I had to figure out and come to terms with my sexuality, deal with the fact that I'm a, I'm mixed, um, and growing up not feeling like I'm fully embraceive on both sides. Um, and just other things too. And so I felt like video games were like the one thing um, out of a few, there was a few. Anime was also one of those th outlets for me too. But video games were one of those one things that I felt like I could be 100% me with the people I played with and I wasn't judged. Um, I wasn't viewed as this, you know, soccer player or some successful kid. I was just Aaron. Yeah. Um, not to say I wasn't, I was good at the game, but like, you know, it was just, I, I didn't feel some pressures that I've felt, you know, when I was a kid, um, felt all my life. I mean, there's still that pressure that I feel, you know, a lot of times people may look at my successes or my work and, and be like, oh my gosh, it's amazing and all this stuff, but they don't see the struggles that I go through. They don't see the challenges that I go through. They don't see the friendships I have to, or, or people I have to remove from my life or, you know, the arguments that I have to have, like, like there's, there's a lot that goes into success. And I always tell people like success can be quite lonely. Uh, I'm not saying that you will move in success alone, but there are going to be things that only you and maybe, and depending how far you go, very few people are going to understand. Um, and so it's hard to be able to communicate those things. That's why I go to therapy. So I have someone to communicate those things. So Video games even now are still that area and space where I feel like I can be completely me, whether it's my audience, whether it's me playing my friends. Um, and it's also my outlet too. Um, so it's been something that has been such a pivotal component of my growth, not only career-wise, but also my, my growth as a person. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that gaming is you know, to summarize just a very safe space in your life. And like it has been for, you know, decades. And, and I think it's, I think everybody has that little safe space and you and I had somewhat of a, a few similarities in that journey that you, you just explained to me where, you know, when you're pursuing something that is looked at as unobtainable by a lot of other children, parents, families, people who are looking at you in a school environment, you have this pressure on you. And it's one of the most unhealthy things as a child to feel like you cannot fail, that you cannot mess up, that you cannot get in trouble. Because if Aaron messes up, then what's left for everybody else? If she messes up, how can we continue on? And, and when you're looked at as such a role model in a space and you've pushed yourself to this, you know, abnormal height that, you know, so many people I'm sure are like, how the hell is she achieving this and doing this? And I really feel like now reflecting as someone in their mid-20s, the most successful people I do know and have the pleasure of knowing have gone through the biggest failures and the most trials and tribulations. And I think to be someone as successful as you are and to create the lane that you're in, you've had to go through quite hardships, quite many failures to learn, get back up and keep going. And, and that has led you to, you know, I really want to get or segue into exit. And I want to segue into your journey and your position in this company and, and how that came to be. Yeah, of course. So 
you know, uh, kind of transitioning from our previous conversation, I think all of those experiences, the ups, the downs, the good and bad is essentially what led me to exit. Um, and how, and how so is through the, the, the company, the media company Cheddar that I used to coast, um, I interviewed, uh, my friend currently Clinton Sparks and, um, then I, you know, I was able to interview other phase people and, and stuff like that when, when Clinton used to work at phase clan. And, um, during that time, actually, he was trying to, like, he saw the work I was trying to do. He saw, you know, how, I, like how I was as a person, we had many conversations. Um, and so, and then he learned a little bit more about my story and, and through that, he saw the knowledge, information, and experience that I have and how I wanted to change things for the better in this space. And he, you know, at that time he worked to try to bring me over into face clan, which is funny. Not a lot of people know this, him and my, my, wow, my that's other, crazy. Yeah. Him and, and another gentleman named Femi, when they both were at face clan, were actually trying to get me to go over to work, um, over at face really? on some projects oh, and, hilarious. um, they just didn't want to do it. And, you know, and, and, and listen, I have no hard feelings towards anyone. You know, I understand it, it might not have been in their business plans and, and that's completely okay. But, um, so then after, like, I would say like, it was either a couple of months later, or a couple of weeks later, uh, Clinton hit me up and he was like, Hey, uh, me, Greg, uh, and a few, like a few of the former execs over at phase and a few others is like, we're going to be making an org. It's about everything we've been talking about. We're finally going to be able to do what we want to do, what we've discussed, which is a lot of the diversity, inclusion, and entertainment side, and just further changing the esports industry. And so he was like, uh, you have to come. Yeah. Like you got it. Like, hello. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I want you, I want you to be part of this. And I was like, all right, all right, let me let first, let me meet the CEO. Let me, let me meet everyone. So that's when I met uh, Greg Salco and, you know, I could tell, I was like, all right, he gets it. Um, you know, that's the, the thing that I really appreciate is like our executives get it. Um, they get the change that's needed for DNI. They get how to build a, a company and orgs to be successful. Like there's, they just got it. And then the great feeling and the, and the, the, the thing that happened was with like, with Exet was like, they, since day one, you know, they treat me like an equal. They really, you know, wanted my knowledge and information, my perspective, um, you know, whether we wanted to challenge each other's thoughts respectfully, all these different things, like they saw the value that I brought. Um, Clinton definitely knew early, but the rest of them eventually saw. And, you know, they, you know, as part of my uh, working with them, I was like, hey, I'll work with you all, but I'm neat. I'm going to need ownership. Um, and so they didn't in bad eye. He's like, okay, we'll give you, we'll give you stock. So, um, and so, you know, for, it, it was a very, like, it was a very easy conversation. It was a very, very easy experience because like they already, they saw my resume, they saw everything I've done. They know, they knew that I knew a lot of people in gaming and esports entertainment all around. And so, you know, but then as I worked with them, they really saw my knowledge and they really saw my connections. And so, um, ever since then, it was really great. And, you know, originally I, when they brought me in, I was like, Hey, I don't mind helping. Um, you know, I want to see this grow. And so I, I worked actively behind the scenes, um, on a lot of projects for two years. And then eventually they they agreed. They're like, Oh, we'd love to give you an executive title. So then that's when I got my title, but yeah, it all started because of like the DNI stuff and the change that I wanted to make in the industry. And, and I was already starting to kind of work with different companies for that. Like I've done stuff with evil geniuses and, and shout out to Nicole, um, Nicole LaPointe Jameson, you know, she over since her time being a CEO at EG, we've gotten to know each other. We talk a lot, you know, I have to say, um, she's one of the very few people I think who truly understand, um, what I go through, uh, on the executive level and in working in gaming, especially in esports as a, as a black woman, especially a black woman at, at a high position. Um, there's a lot of great things that there's a lot of craziness. So yep. it's been great. Yeah. It's been great to kind of like have a soundboard and, and someone that I can connect with, but, um, same thing with everyone at Exet. And so it, it's, 
it's kind of just, I don't know. Sometimes I'm, I'm so surprised because it's like, I, some of these opportunities just come about just off of me trying to make change and wanting to help people genuinely. You know, I, I, I want it. I want the industry to be better. Like I, I want other people who fall after me to have these unique and good opportunities. Cause I had people do that for me. Um, and I think also for me too, like my mom raised me um, to be, to, to, to have humility um, and to also understand like people come from different walks of life and not everyone gets the same equal access to opportunities. Um, and that, you know, and if someone does, there's such a dramatic difference towards someone having access and, and having someone actually support them and guide them and mentor them versus not. And so, um, yeah, it's just, even now I'm just kind of like, wow. Like I literally, it, it's, it, it's a short period of time of how I got to here, but I'm glad I'm here regardless. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, just as women in the industry and in entertainment in general, it is quite often an uphill battle and to know your worth and be able to put your foot down and say, Hey guys, this is the worth I'm bringing. This is the things I'm bringing to the table. This is my experience. These are my connections. And I'm either going to be here and you're going to appreciate it. And I'm going to be given my value and worth or I'm not going to be here. And, and that, that takes a huge level of confidence that I know a lot of women in their twenties have not yet built up. And, and for those listening, how would you explain Xset to the world? Because it is a revolutionary company that is not doing what your basic gaming esports team companies are doing. Yeah, I mean, Xset is is a gaming, entertainment, and lifestyle organization. Um, we, you know, we we're a company that's also has the core values of diversity, equity, inclusion, and I mean, our business model is highlighting that we walk the walk. We don't just talk the talk. So, for example, over fifty percent of our investors are investors of color. Um, you know, we've been bringing in a diverse set of talent and we plan on bringing in more and, you know, we really are showcasing and, and, and highlighting the fact that like esports and gaming entertainment are no longer just like itself. It's very interconnected. And so how we, you know, we, we have esports as one of our verticals, but like we really focus in on the other sectors of entertainment, gaming, lifestyle, um, and bridging uh, uh, bridging all of the gaps. And so, um, you know, it, it's fascinating. Uh, I kind of want to say this. It's very fascinating how often people call us esports orgs uh, and esports org. But if they actually look at everything we say and do, we don't it's call all over the place. esports org. Uh, we, we really don't. Like, even in our bio, we don't call ourselves an esports org. Uh, we do have esports. But, like, I feel like sometimes calling yourself an esports org is is just kind of it narrows down opportunities. Um, and also people don't really understand esports. They understand gaming, but if you say esports, it can kind of be um shy people away and stuff. But we feel like what we're trying to build at Exit is more than just the competitive scene. Um, it's a new structure, new standards, new ways of going about it. I mean, we're the first company to have a gaming residency at one of the biggest nightclubs in Vegas. Like we we're always trying to think outside of the box. We're always trying to find ways that bring value and impact to underserved communities um, that find unique and different business avenues um, and then brings culture and entertainment and gaming to the forefront of the conversations, the initiatives that we're doing. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, that's probably the best way to describe our company and uh, hopefully people tune in. They'll, uh, I know. Right. Well, like, you know, when you kind of do some some surface research, I mean, I already knew you kind of represented. It's really like this growing community for a lot of people to have access, amplification, financial support, resources. And on top of that, I mean, I saw the video of the booth at Coachella. I saw you guys were at, I think, Dre's nightclub with Lil Wayne performed. I saw the collaboration with Rolling Loud. And you're taking, you know, tons of artists from, you know, a cultural standpoint and you're combining the two. And I mean, me personally, I've been told by like friends of mine before, hey, you want to collab with this artist? 
uh, learn uh, WoW or learn go on and get on with GTA with them. And we all game and we're all on the Discord. And that's how we like make so many of our connections. And I've seen through your YouTube videos, through your website, that you guys just have these massive artists come on low key. They're like crazy freaking gamers and they love to just like let it out. And I think that's so cool because I, I truthfully, like I'm not super in with the esports gaming community, but me from an artist standpoint, I've never really seen somebody or a company kind of achieve that real bridge and have it be a cement bridge. That is something that is happening time and time again, every quarter you're having events, every quarter you're bridging the gap. And I mean, I would love to know, like, were you working with Xset when you guys did do the stuff with Rolling Loud, when you guys did do the stuff with Coachella? I would love to know a bit more about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been with Xset since the beginning. So okay, all those okay. activations, yeah, all those activations and and, and, and initiatives, you know, um, I would help in, in some shape or form. Um, the great thing is, you know, of course, when you're starting a company, you're going to have like the the beginnings and just the everyone has to do all different things or wear 5,000 hats and all that stuff. And so, yep. yeah, we I mean, we knew that we we're going to enter into that space. And, well, you know, I was I was part of us, um, you know, uh, mentioning and announcing like T Grizzly and Ozuna and mm -hmm. helping with some of the stuff that we've done with them and Sway Lee and. Um, you know, we, and, and even on like the sports side. So, you know, I think that the, the cool thing is like, you're mentioning like uh, all the people that we brought on, they are gamers and they believe in the D D E and I, um, you know, objectives that we have as a company. And so it's great when you have uh, a group of individuals who believe in the overall mission and, and what is needed in order to like, really make this org stand out and be different. And I think that for us, it's like, you know, we're continuing to grow, we're continuing to build. But like, like I was saying, we're, we're going to find much more unique opportunities and we have much more announcements when it comes to our, how we're integrating ourselves into the the overall like ecosystem when it comes to entertainment and gaming and lifestyle and, and culture and things like that. And so, yeah. So yeah, we, you know, I was there when we, literally with all the artists, all the athletes, you know, I, funny enough, I was after all, after the founders, I was probably like the next person that was brought on to the team. Uh, so yeah, I was there since like the early, early beginnings. That's amazing. I mean, like, so did you pull a lot of these artists, professional athletes from like your wheelhouse of your multiple years in broadcasting, in esports, all across, you know, entertainment? Or was this kind of like a collective effort when you're working, you know, amongst agencies? Hey, we're on the same agencies. Can we make this happen? How does that process work when reaching out to a starlight, you know, like Little Wayne or a starlight like X, Y, and Z and getting them to come on board with your initiative, with your organization? Yeah. I mean, initially with a lot of the, a lot of the investors, the early investors, the people that were brought on, um, you know, big props to our co-founders, Will and Clinton and Greg, they helped to really bring those people on. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, there are some relationships I was able to help bring to the table. Um, you know, whether it's like my relationship with 300 Entertainment, um, Interscope, that was something that I worked to bring to the table for for us, along with Clinton Sparks, because um, I already had a pre-existing relationship with Interscope and I've done stuff with them. I've also done work with, you know, we've reached out to other record labels to do, you know, not only bring people on as investors and to be signed, but also just for smaller activations and, and initiatives and also just the game with our talent, you know, whether it's Columbia Records or anything like that. And so, um, you know, depending on kind of the uh, level of interest, um, sometimes it's just like on the low-hanging fruit, Sometimes it's like, hey, we would love to have your artist play with, you know, one of our streamers or, or you know, be part of our uh, charity fund, um, which I, I I did that with 300 Entertainment. I, we did a charity fund to raise funds um, for an HBCU esports league uh, that derived from the nonprofit community. My friend Ryan Johnson over there have been working heavily with him um, since then, since the inception of that HBCU Esports League, but a lot more we plan on on wanting to do with them. And, um, or it may be like, um, you know, we may have a whole extensive project or an investment pitch or, you know, 
we may have a sponsorship and, you know, we want to bring this, get this artist engaged with us through the sponsorship. So it really depends on like how we want to activate that talent and how we want to engage with the talent. And then their interest and what they're interested in doing, what they want to do. And then, so we find business opportunities, content opportunities, and just connection and networking opportunities or activation opportunities. And just like anything else, like, you know, you have to have a plan. You have to have a business plan um, before you approach them. And and also some of these people, like whether it's Clinton or Will or Greg or myself, like sometimes it's just we have that relationship and then they mm-hmm. see what we do and then they hit us up or we hit them up and say, hey, we want to get we want to have you get down with us and all these different things. So it really just depends, um, you know, what that artist wants and what they're looking to do and, and how how much they want to be engaged and active. And then, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe they just want to be investors. Right. So it it just really depends. That's amazing. I mean, as far as your, um, interaction with labels such as Interscope, uh, go into that a bit for me. I would love to know like your background with Interscope and how that ties into Exet. Yeah. So, um, back around like 2016, I worked for a company, I worked for Diddy's television network called Revolt TV. So, um, during that time I built a lot of, built various relationships with artists and and people at record labels. And so, you know, whether it was Def Jam or 300 Entertainment or, you know, anything of that nature. And then also through my broadcasting work in 2020, when we did a lot of at home stuff, uh, a lot of artists got involved in a lot of the projects that I was in and, and and I hosted. So was able to build that, you know, relationships with those different labels through that um, and through just various different uh, projects since when I worked at Revolt TV. So, you know, a lot of those relationships, even with some of the other companies, the media companies or media slash advertising companies I was part of, I've, I brought, found out, I, I had ways to bring those talent, those relationships still through even my relationships in the sports side. Um, and I think the, the benefit, you know, the great benefit was like, I, my career grew in New York city. So like whether it's major media record labels or big sports, like all there. it's, it's all there. So mm-hmm. I would go to networking events and like meet so many different people. And so, um, you know, I prior, I prior to, uh, I guess, like really, bringing, you know, the likes of Interscope and, and having them connect with some of our staff and stuff. Um, you know, it was, I just had a conversation about them where it's like, Hey, if any of your talent want to stream, let me know. I can stream with them. I can connect them with some of our exit talent just on like when it comes to just organically growing with them. So that happened. Um, and that's still happening. Uh, but then, you know, we were like, Hey, let's have a further discussion. So and, and and that's the same thing for some of the other record labels. You know, I, I started getting people reaching out to me and I was like, well, hey, instead of just like gaming, what if there's an opportunity to do more? Right. So started having we started having meetings with a lot of these labels um, and even with the artists themselves, it, depending on the relationships. Like sometimes if we have direct relationships with the artists and their managers. We just go straight to them, to be very honest. It's just better that way, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes we do go through the labels and then sometimes the labels are like, hey, here's the contact, here's the manager. You can talk to them, right? It depends on the level of really prior relationships that we have and w- what we've been doing and working with them on and, and so forth. So, um, you know, and then even on like a low-hanging fruit, like I have a partnership with 300 Entertainment. So like I'm able, I'm whitelisted. So like I can play their music in any of my streams, right? Like, and that's a way for me to highlight their artists and, and highlight their music. So anytime anyone comes like, oh, what's that song? You know? Um, and so, yeah, I've been able to, like I said, like just over that entire experience before I became a broadcaster in this space, I've been able to build a lot of these relationships and like the prior work that I've done, you know, uh, that's the one thing is like, you know, granted, are there times where I, you know, I do certain projects or I do certain things and things fall through and it's just like out of my control or there's things I could do better. Yes. Like I, I'm a very accountable person. Um, but for the most part, you know, I always follow through and I always execute and I always get done what needs to get done. And so, you know, the various people at these labels trust me and they trust what we're trying to do. And so, and we've been following through and we're going to continue to follow through and sometimes the ball's going to get dropped and, and sometimes it's not, but that's how I've been able to like, really integrate a lot more of uh, the relationships that I have in music and, and, and entertainment. And then of course we have Clinton Sparks. So like Clinton Sparks has been working in the music industry forever. So like, it's great to have someone who has, uh, you know, not only connections, but has a, a, a amazing credential in this space. Um, and then you have Greg and Will with 
Karma Loop, which is one of the biggest fashion companies, you know? So a lot of our executives have very, very amazing backgrounds and resume in the business side and, and more. And so that's what's been able to help help us bring a lot more people from the, you know, whether it's record labels or artists or the music side over into what we're trying to do at Xset. Absolutely. I mean, it's amazing. You guys are really able to pull from kind of the the four corners of entertainment based on your backgrounds and based on your networks and based on your resources. And that really is like you guys put in the time to develop yourselves in your own career and then came together to form this like trifecta into an organization. And I mean, it's just kind of what you said in the beginning and what we've been focusing on the whole time. There are no really big X to lines anymore where you're in this category or this category or this category. And it's more now these muddy lines of how can we all collaborate and continue to push forward with the values we're trying to accomplish, with the things we're trying to get done. And it's very exciting to kind of all see it happening in real time. Like, I'll see you pop up on on Instagram and you're on like Good Morning America and then you're on the streaming and it, it's it's very, very cool. And it's amazing that even platforms, you know, such as Good Morning America are, are taking the time to talk about esports and talk about video gaming. And, and it's these conversations that I don't think have been able to break through to a lot of mainstream citizens in the United States for a long time. And they're finally starting to happen. And it's, it's really quite amazing. And before I do let you go, um, I just want to focus on, you know, a few things that you do predominantly wholeheartedly believe in need to change in the, the gaming space and the esports space. Yeah. Um, it's funny the how timely this question is because I, I put out a uh, a tweet that I'm actually going to bring up so I can say word for word. Absolutely. Um, you know, we we had these conversations about like how you should work hard, and of course, like it doesn't matter if you work in esports or gaming, whatever profession you have, you should work hard. Um, but the one thing I said, what we need to change is this toxic like hustle culture in the sense of like, hey, I struggled. So you have to struggle too mentality to, to achieve things like that shouldn't be the case. You know, whoever's in the industry, you know, we worked hard and we struggled, but we should be aiming to improve the industry and make it better so that, you know, the the future, the future, you know, people and the heads and, and the faces of this industry will have an easier time than we did. And so to me, I'm like, we got to change that. Um, and there are people in the industry who are changing that, who who are trying to, you know, make um, the business side better and not sketchy and making contracts great and 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 solid and and reputable and all these different things. So, but it's we have to we're working through like we're working through the fact that like sometimes like things aren't properly funded and so people have to get paid less and um, you know all these different aspects. But like you know, it for me, I'm. I, I don't like how there is and, and and that no fault when it comes to the young kids, because they're we literally are having we had like a whole content era of like hustle, hustle, hustle. Right. And that's all they see. And that's all they, they may know. But at the end of the day, like, you know, uh, we shouldn't be setting up this industry for others to have to struggle to meet ends or struggle to to accomplish big things. Right. Like, um, yeah, they're going to be hard times. Yes, you got to put in the work, but. It doesn't make sense. That's kind of like for me, that's also, you know, a perfect example that I, I, I always use whenever I discuss kind of this conversation is like, you know, that's kind of like if those in the civil rights movement were like, hey, we put in the work. And so like you guys have to struggle like we do. No, they no. did that so that the next generations will have an easier and better time than them. And, and the civil rights movement was only like 60 years ago. Right. So it's like, you know, we we have to try those in industry to find ways to make the to to solve some of the problems and to fix things and to help to financially support or create some some stability where the people who come in our place next and the talent that are coming up and the staff are coming in industry don't have to struggle as much as we do. So um that's kind of like one mentality that I hope we can end up erasing in the industry and and aim and create more of a sustainable mentality versus like a grind till you pass out and and all these different things, you know? So I just don't think that's healthy. And it's just, and it's not going to help on a diversity and an inclusion front. It's not going to help us from a growth and business, business perspective to have that mentality. 
And then also it just, it just, it, 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 it enables predatory behaviors and practices. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping we can change that so that we can make this industry much more sustainable and better moving forward. Well, my head first goes to when are you going to run for president? Because I think our whole country <laughs> oh, needs gosh. that right now. And then, and then my second, my second response is life is about balance and it's about working really, really hard, but it's also about enjoying it and, and enjoying the people you're around. And if you're in a consistently toxic work till you burn out, you know, community and, and environment, it doesn't serve for things to be better for the next generation. Um, and with that said, Aaron Ashley Simon, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. This was a wonderful conversation. I think I could talk to you for like four more hours. My head's like, <laughs> question, question, question. But I really do want to thank you for coming on and your team for arranging it. I'm really excited for everybody to hear this. And, and I think that as time continues on, as long as good people are on each side, the, the bridge between music and gaming will continue to break down and conform and, and align with each other. So thank you so much, Aaron. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Have a wonderful day.